Hey, if you've got a Bible with you, would you please turn with me to Luke chapter 8? And if you don't have a Bible, we've placed some Bibles uh, on every other chair. Uh, Take that, use that this morning. If you don't have a Bible uh, at home, take this one. It's yours. It's our gift to you. We want you to have the Word of God at your house as well. Uh, If you are using the Pew Bible, it is on page 504. We're looking at Luke chapter 8. Uh, This morning, we're beginning a seven-week series uh, on the parables of Jesus, and we're calling it Jesus the Greatest Storyteller. Uh, All throughout the life of ministry of Jesus, he went from town to town preaching about the kingdom of God. He went around performing miracles. He went around healing people, and he went around sharing stories. And it's those stories that we want to focus on for the next seven weeks, these things called parables. And here's what a parable is. A parable is simply this, a story that teaches us how to live in the kingdom of God. A parable is this, a story that teaches us how to live in the kingdom of God. Or in other words, Jesus uses parables to tell us what it looks like to live in relationship to him and in relationship to one another according to God's design. And so we're going to look at the first uh, of these seven parables this morning, the parable of the sower. And that's found in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Hey, this parable is about listening to the word of God. And so would you please stand with me as we hear the word of God out of respect to his holy word. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from every town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for the, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they grow in their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to listen to your word, and we ask that your spirit would use it deep in our hearts to grow us and mature us, Lord, that we would be a people who are faithful to you and are fruitful for your glory and for the good of Mayfield Heights. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, the, the story, this parable is 
a fairly straightforward parable. Jesus says there's this sower, and he goes out into the field, and he, he takes the seed, and he throws it in every kind of soil. And then Jesus explains what happens when that seed falls on the various soils. And in fact, uh, if you look at your Bible, this is often called the parable of the sower. At least that's what my header says on my Bible. Maybe that's what it says on yours. And those headers aren't original to the text. They're added in later in for us to better understand what's going on. But perhaps a better title for this parable is not the parable of the sower, but the parable of the soils. Because Jesus says there are two kinds of soils. He says there's the soil that produces fruit and the soil that doesn't produce fruit. There's two kinds of people, those who are producing fruit and those who are not producing fruit. There's those whose life is full of joy and those whose life is full of despair. There's those whose life are, are stable and on a firm foundation and they cannot be shaken. And then there's those whose lives are shaky and tossed to and fro. There are those whose lives are with purpose and intention and great dedication, and then those who are turned from this way to the other, just pulled from different experiences. There are two kinds of people in this world, those who find abundant joy and those who don't. That's why this parable is so important, because in this parable, Jesus gives us the secret to living a fruitful life. He gives us the secret to living a life that produces fruit and is joyful. And here's what this parable has to say. The secret is this. There's three things we need to do. First, we need to listen to the word of God. Second, we need to examine our own hearts. And third, we need to let the seed die in our hearts. And I'll get to that in a minute. But first, we need to listen to the word of God. As Jesus is explaining this parable, he says in verse 11, now this is the parable. The seed is the word of God. And it's really easy, I think, to move beyond that passage and keep going in the explanation of the parable, but that is such a tremendous statement. There is a word from God. Perhaps that doesn't shake your ground as it might other people. Perhaps like you uh, and like me, we grew up in faith communities where it was just taken for granted that God had something to say and that we got to listen. But this is tremendously important, and that's why it's the first point. God has something to say, and we need to listen to it. I mean, if maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian community or a faith community, but perhaps you've seen signs like the one on Caves Road on the way back from Patterson Farms outside of the church that said, God is still speaking. Come hear what he has to say. Or, or maybe I, I've heard this, and maybe you have too. People say, well, I was in my quiet time, and I really felt like God was telling me that I need to break it off with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Or you've got a friend maybe that says, I feel like God was nudging me to take this new position or to move to that city or to start something new or different in my life. We almost take for granted this idea that God speaks and he invites us to listen. In fact, most of the world religions today are based on or founded upon this idea that God has something to say and there's someone who is that spokesperson, a prophet or a teacher who has heard from God and has given his message to the people. Just think of Judaism. I mean, they've got Moses who went up onto the mountain and heard the word of God and delivered it to the Israelites. Or Muslims 
I mean, the prophet Muhammad, the story goes, he was away in a cave and heard a revelation from God, and he wrote it down in what's called the Quran, even though, as the story goes, he couldn't read or write. But even more contemporary religions, Mormonism has this belief that Joseph Smith heard a word from God and translated it for the people. They even call it another testament of Jesus Christ. Many people, and maybe you are one of them, have taken this conclusion that all of these religions speak for God and have based upon, uh, come to the conclusion that uh, all these religions are just the same. They just, you know, they've got small differences here and there. Doctrines and dogmas might differ up, but at, at the root of it, at the core of the teachings, they're all the same. They're equally valid. They're equally true, right? I mean, can't we just boil the message down to this, that there is a loving spirit God and he wants us to be nice to people? Aren't all religions just teaching the same thing? They all claim to speak for God. But is that true? Do we, do we really think that just all religions are equally valid? Take, for example, uh, in the 1990s in Waco, Texas, the leader David Koresh was leading a Christian cult community in Waco, Texas, and was claiming to receive visions and, and inspiration and a word from God saying, I am the new Messiah. I am bringing truth. I can speak for God. And that led to tremendous oppression and violence. And you might recall the tragic siege on the compound in 1993 that killed numerous people. Can't we agree that not every religion is equally valid? Some people do, in fact, take the word of God and say, I'm going to use this for oppression. But most people, when they claim that everything is just the same, they don't think of those outliers. They think of, you know, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism. Don't all those just teach the same, be nice to one another? They can't all be the same. Because even the idea of saying, well, that's not true, but that's not true, and this is true. You know, Judaism has got this element here and Christianity has got this element and Islam's got this element but really we just we really need to just come up with this new idea that's that's devoid of dogma and doctrine can't we be like the Beatles song imagine imagine a world without religion there would be peace on earth man wouldn't that be nice wouldn't it be nice to just get rid of the doctrine and dogma of these religions and get to the heart of the message right that's what we want. We want peace on earth. But when we begin to say that religion's wrong, in fact, we need to, just, we need to believe this. You know, uh, they, they've got some truth, but not the whole truth. Here's the whole truth. God is just a loving God who wants us to be nice. The moment we make an exclusive claim about what God has said and what he wants from us, we're no different than any other religion that's claiming to be exclusively the word of God. So whether you're a Jewish person or Muslim person or Christian person, we, we all think that we've got an exclusive claim on the word of God. And I, I think that's true. I think we do have an exclusive claim on the word of God. And here's why I think that we should listen to what Jesus has to say. And it's interesting, actually, if you look at the prophet Muhammad, he says, I speak on behalf of God. If you look at Moses, he says, I, I, I speak on behalf of God. But if you look at Jesus, he doesn't say, I speak on behalf of God. He says, my words are the Father's words. 
What I do, the Father has told me to do. What the Father loves, I love. Who the Father gives, I receive. Jesus almost associates himself with God. I think he does associate himself with God. And here's why I think that you should consider the message that Jesus has to say. There's two things. One, I I agree with the criticism that when any religion claims that power of, of claiming to know the word of God, that can be used for evil. And I agree. But here's the message of Christianity. It's one of selflessness. It's one of humility and love and service. At the core of the Christian message is a person who did not come to be served, but came to serve and give his life up for others. Say what you want about the other religions, but the core message of Christianity is not oppression and violence and abuse. It is a message of self-sacrifice and love. So would you consider Jesus' message? But then secondly, and perhaps more uh, to the point of this parable, the second consideration for the message of Jesus is this. Christianity is really the only religion that claims to have the word of God, and that word is available to anyone. Look, in Judaism, you have to be part of the family of Abraham to receive the full blessings of God's word. In in Islam, you have to read the Quran in Arabic in order for it to be the word of God. In in Mormonism, you can believe what's true when they tell you, but it really requires you to move further and further into their system for you to understand the doctrines of their faith. But Christianity, like a sower who goes and sows the seed abundantly, makes the word of God available to anyone No matter your background, no matter where you've come from, no matter even what you believe, the word of God through Jesus is available to you. We need to hear what he has to say. That's what Jesus says. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. So that's the first secret to living an abundant life of fruit is to listen to the word of God that Jesus is giving us. Here at Story Church, we love the word of God. Every week we are going to get up and preach from the word of God. We think that it is the final truth on all matters of life and faith. And so if you want to hear the word from God, come back. Come join us at Story Church. Because every week we will open up his word and deliver a message of his grace and salvation through Jesus. That's what we need to hear. So that's the first thing. We need to listen to the word of God through Jesus. And second, we need to examine our hearts. Because it's one thing to just hear the message. It's another thing to allow that message to permeate down into our hearts, to plant itself into our hearts and produce fruit. And Jesus goes in this parable to explain four different kinds of soil, four different kinds of hearts that receive this word from God. And I'm going to briefly walk through each of these. First, is the soil that's been trodden upon on the path and the seed falls and it doesn't take root. And I like to call this the hard heart. The hard heart is someone who is resistant to the word of God, someone who does not care about what it can do to them. This is someone who is perhaps even cynical about who God is. And don't think that this is the, someone who's an atheist and hates God. No, The hard heart is perhaps even someone who has been going to church their whole lives and has been hearing the word of God, but it has fallen on a hard heart, and it has never taken root, and it has never produced fruit. 
That's the hard heart, someone who is so resistant to what the Lord could be doing in their life through his word. The second soil is the shallow heart. This is the soil, the rocky soil. And the rocky soil is, is not like soil that has little rocks in it. The rocky soil is soil that just below the surface is bedrock. And this is pretty common in the uh, Israeli hills that Jesus would have been around as he was giving this parable. The rocky soil is that soil that's just deep enough for the seed to fall in, but it's not deep enough for roots to grow. And because the roots cannot grow from this seed, when the waves and the chaos of life come crashing in, that seed and that plant gets torn away. Look, this is the kind of person who perhaps has been going to church and been listening to the word of God, who is interested in what God could be doing, uh, and in fact actually really loves coming to church and being inspired. I mean, they love to wake up and say, I, I want to be inspired today. I want to hear that song that will stir my heart. I want to hear that message that will just get me going. I mean, these are the kinds of people that, that love the idea that God loves them and wants them to be happy and he does. He does love us. They, these are the people that love verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Pran, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. These are great verses, but they can't be the only thing that we ever read. These are the people that just take so much joy in hearing the word of God on Sundays or in quiet times. But when the storms of life come, they get taken away. Their roots are not deep enough. You know, I, I like to think this is someone who perhaps has been part of a church but hasn't yet gotten involved into the life of the body of Christ in that church. Because it's when we're connected to the body of Christ that we hear the gospel daily and regularly so that when the, you get the phone call from the doctor— or when you get the email from your boss saying, hey, can you come in on Friday afternoon? When things begin to fall apart in your life and the soil is crumbling, it's the network of the body of Christ that will remind you of the gospel, that reminds you of God's promises to you in that time. We need to be people who are deeply rooted, not just in the word of God, but in the life of the body of Christ. The third soil that Jesus says here, I like to call the crowded heart. This is the soil that takes the seed and it begins to grow, but alongside the growth of the plant comes weeds. And these weeds choke out that plant and so the fruit can't mature and grow. This is someone who, whose heart is crowded with the pleasures and cares of the world. There's a pastor, uh, Ray Ortland, has written uh, about this divided, crowded heart. And he says this, our hearts are deeply divided, more than we realize. Our reality within is something like a boardroom. There's a big table, leather chairs, bottled water, coffee, a big whiteboard, and the committees all sitting around the table. There's around the table the social self, the private self, the work self, the sexual self, the recreational self, your religious self, your childhood memory self, and plenty of others. And the committee is just arguing and debating, and they're voting, what are we going to do? constantly agitated, divided, upset. Rarely ever would this committee come to a unanimous, wholehearted decision. Look, if we hear the word of God with such a crowded and divided heart, all we are doing is letting Jesus come and have another voice at the table. Uh, he goes on and he talks about receiving Jesus into our heart or hearing the word of God uh, Ray Ortland says this, a person in this condition can accept Jesus or listen to him in two different ways. 
One, we might accept Jesus in a way that invites him to join the committee, to give him a seat at the table, give him a vote, let him make his case, and then together the committee will decide what we're going to do. That's the crowded heart when we just let Jesus come to the boardroom, when we give him a seat at the table, when we give him a voice, that he becomes just one voice of influence among the others. But Ray says this, the other way that we can hear the word of God, the other way that we can accept Jesus into our heart is struck by his glory in the gospel, we can turn to him away from the other voices and say, my life is not working this way. Please come in, please fire my whole committee Every last one of them, all I need in life is you. That's what hearing the word of God should lead us to. Saying, Lord, you are the master. You are the king. You are the Lord of lords. I want to listen to you alone. And yet often we have divided and crowded hearts. Finally, the fourth soil is that of the fruitful heart. This is the soil that hears the word of God and it gets dug down deep into the ground and it begins to produce fruit. This is a fruitful heart that does this. It treasures the word of God and it trusts in it in difficult times. It treasures the word and trusts in it in difficult times. This is like the song, we delight in the word. Morning and evening we come to hear what you have to say. We delight in it. We treasure it down in our hearts. We memorize it. We rely upon it. So that when life does get difficult, because it will get difficult, when life gets difficult, we can trust in it. Trust in his promises. Trust in his goodness. Trust in his love. Trust in his salvation. That our worth and identity is in what God says we are, not in what we say we are. Listen, a crowded heart is miserable because it says, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what to do with this relationship. I don't know what to do with work. I don't know what to do with my money. I don't know what to do. But a fruitful heart says the word of God will direct me. This is the kind of person that says, what does Jesus have to say about my relationship with this person? What does Jesus have to say about my parenting? What does Jesus have to say about how I'm behaving at work? What does Jesus have to say about how we as a family are using our money? What does Jesus have to say about this, that, and everything? That is a fruitful heart. Someone who treasures the word of God and trusts in it in the difficult seasons of life. So those are the first two secrets. One, we need to listen to the word of God. And then two, we need to examine our heart. Friends, which soil are you? Which heart do you have? Do you have a hard heart resistant to what he's saying? Do you have a shallow heart that loves what he's saying but doesn't hold on to it Monday through Saturday? Are you a crowded heart who's just going back and forth between different voices in your heart? Or are you a fruitful heart that truly treasures the word of God and trusts in it in difficult times? Well, here's the last secret. It's that we need to let the seed die in our heart. Throughout his ministry, Jesus will use illustrations like this, of seeds and fruit, of, of a harvest and reaping, of a tree that grows from a small seed that produces fruit. He often goes back to this illustration of producing fruit. And in one particular place in the book of John, chapter 12, Jesus says this. Look, if a seed falls and if it doesn't die, then it's alone. It can't do anything. 
But if the seed falls and dies in the earth, it will produce fruit. What you and I need to do is to let the seed die in our hearts. Now, you might be wondering, Jeremy, what, that doesn't make us stupid. What, what does that even mean, right? Well, here's what we need to do. We need to ask these questions. What is the seed and what has he done for us? At the beginning, or actually, uh, yeah, the beginning of the sermon in verse 11, Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. Yes, we've been saying it's this message. It's, it's our New Testament. It's our Old Testament. It's this voice from God. But more specifically, the word of God is Jesus. Look, every religion says they have a word from God, and it's a teaching, right? Hey, teach or uh, follow these teachings. Uh, follow these rules. Obey these demands. This is what God has said to you, right? It's only in Christianity that the word of God is not a teaching, it's a person. To receive the word of God is to receive Jesus. Jesus says there's two kinds of soil, those who produce fruit and those that don't produce fruit. The only way to produce fruit is if you've received the word of God in your heart, if you've received him. Most scholars say that the reason why he's giving this parable at this time in the Gospel of Luke is because just a chapter before is the first time that he's seen opposition. People are beginning to decide, am I going to receive Jesus or not receive Jesus? Am I going to follow him or not follow him? Am I going to hear what God is saying through him or not? And this parable asks us that question too. Are we going to receive Jesus or not? Are we going to be fruitful or not, because the key to living a fruitful life is receiving the word of God, receiving Jesus in your heart. But it's not just that. It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus. It's not just saying, I read what he has to say. It's not just, I read my Bible or go to churches. You have to let the seed, you have to let Jesus die in your heart. You have to meditate on, you have to delight in, you have to treasure not only Jesus, but what he has done for you. The reason why a seed has to die is because the nutrients are all in there and it breaks open and it produces the fruit. But when we look at Jesus, the reason he died, the purpose for his death was to bring you from death to life. The only way, brothers and sisters, for us to live a fruitful life is if we meditate on this fact that Jesus Christ died for you. He took your sins upon himself. He absorbed in his body the wrath that you deserve for your sin. Because he loves you, he died for you. And to the degree that we realize that he died for you, to that degree you can live a fruitful and joyful and abundant life. It's the only way to live a fruitful life. It's the only way to live a life of, of purpose and, and, and intention. It's the only way to live a life that's stable and does not sway. It's the only, life to the only way to live a life of great joy is to know deep down in your heart that Jesus died for you. And so if, if, if you haven't received that this morning, or maybe you thought you did, but you didn't really do that, this is such a great opportunity to receive this fact that Jesus loves you and died for you to set you free from your sin, from pain, and from death. But if you are a Christian, what a great reminder to daily and regularly surround ourselves with this word that Jesus died for you, that your identity is secure, that your sins are forgiven, 
that he has a purpose for your life and it is for his glory and for the good of our neighbors. That is the abundant and fruitful life. And even as we turn now to communion, this is such a great opportunity for Christians to rededicate your commitment to God's love, to remember again his love for you and to say, Lord, because you have given everything for me, I am now giving everything for you. As Story Church, we want to be a community of people who are so rooted in the gospel message that Jesus loves us and died for us to set us free. We are so rooted in that, that our identity is so secure in that, that we can be real about who we are with one another, and that we can be set free to love radically with the gospel towards our neighbors. I'm so excited for what God has already done leading up to this point, but I am perhaps more, I mean, I'm so much more excited for the years to come where the Lord is going to work in us as a community and through us in this community to share that message of love, to share that story of God's redemption and restoration of all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for we thank you for this word, Lord, that you love us and are so gracious to give us this word, this word, which is your son, Jesus. Lord, it is through him where we find the truth. It is through him that we find the way back to you. It is in him alone that we find life, abundant life, joyful life, life of fruit. Lord, we ask through your spirit that you would convict us that you would draw us out and examine our hearts. Who are we, Lord? Are we receiving your word? And Lord, if we are hearing your word, Lord, would you bless it so that it can produce fruit, not for our sake, but for your sake and for the good of those around us. Father, I thank you for this time now as we approach your table that you've set before us, where we can draw close to you and be nourished by your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.